Good morning, Chair City Church. Once again, how you doing today? Hey, hey, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for coming out. I don't know, five, six, seven inches, whatever it was. Thanks for pushing past it and, and just getting on out here. It, it's just, you're going to be blessed. It's a good morning, not only to see a child dedicating to the Lord and the excitement and gladness and life. That's part of that. But we're talking about relationships. We are all in relationships. You know, whether we're, you know, dating, we're engaged, married. We're, a, you know, we're a grandparent that have grandchildren that are going into relationships. It's just such a huge critical area in our lives. And that's why every year we do this annual relationship series where in the second week of that series, it's called From This Day forward. And we do this intently in what we call kind of an attractional way, where we want it to be attracting. Your friends come, your family come, and they can kind of connect to it. They can relate to it quickly. We take serious topics, and, and, and we kind of break them out in a way that's very practical so that you can just inject these God-given principles immediately into your relationships and start growing in your relationships and growing closer to God. So the word love it's used often huh, in our culture, uh, in our homes, depending on what home you grew up in. Uh, more than not, you know, at some point, I think we kind of develop an understanding of love, uh, a definition of love, an attitude towards love that might be sort of just obscured, you know, meaning uh, maybe worst case warped, like in my case, in my latter 20s, you know, when I met Christy, I, I was almost adverse to love. And I wasn't this like, you know, tough macho guy. I wasn't there. I, I really just emotionally and intellectually, I had kind of created and kind of, I was adverse to love, you know. I, I really worked hard internally not to need to be loved. Uh, and I really was not looking to love. I definitely wasn't singing the David Cassidy song, right? Remember the David Cassidy song? I'm going to do this because I know my wife and my daughter don't like it. I think I love you. Right? Remember that? <laughs> they say I only sing to irritate them. They tell me. Or to bother them or to get them going. So, okay. And we're talking about relationships, right? And in particular today we're going to be talking about fighting. So, and I'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead of myself. So, but we do use the word a lot. And the thing is, love, you know, whether you're adverse for it, whether you don't think, it's part of life. It's how God designed us. This thing called love, it's just going to come and creep into your life. It's going to keep popping up. It's just, it's the ebb and flow of life. And love is most present in these things called relationships. They are the, the meat of life. I'm going to share something with you next week that more than ever before, you're just going to see how important relationships are and how they come from the heart of God and how much love is at the center of all those and what it means to you and your happiness. Don't miss next week. But you see, love must translate. True love must translate into how we talk to each other and how we relate to one another. And that's why it's important for us to have a good understanding, a a solid understanding of what love truly is. And you see, God teaches us what love is. Well, the whole of Scripture is a story of love, of a fatherly love for his creation, but, but we get, it gets kind of drilled down in a way that we can kind of just embrace it. It's so comprehensive, it's warm, it's fuzzy, it's, it's legitimate, it's got principles, it's strong. It's, it's been tried over the years. It's, it's past the test of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to be in verses 4 through 8. If you have your Bible, you can go there. If not, we're going to toss it up on the screen. And you see here, Paul is 
as he leads into these verses, into verses 1, 2, and 3, what Paul is talking about, he's talking about people who have great gifts and abilities, like, wow, crazy good at things. He's talking about people who have incredible faith, meaning you could move mountains, you have such great faith. And he says, if you've got all of that, but you not, have not love, he says, you, you've gained nothing. You're accomplishing nothing. Really, it's amounting to nothing if you have not love. And what Paul is telling us in these verses, 4 through 18, after what he's just saying how important love is and how it is, it's paramount, he's saying love it's more than emotions. It's just more than words. Love is, it's action. It's put into action. And it's an action that needs to translate into the way we talk to each other and relate to each other in our relationships, the way we treat each other. Love, true love must be apparent, must be present. So let's jump in. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Meaning, I'm here. The one I love is here. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's love, my friends. Huh? I, I just gave you the most comprehensive, most sound, greatest description of what true love is by the author of love, love, God himself. Do you see what Paul was doing here, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, was writing a letter to the people who have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and he was wanting them to know about love. And God was wanting them to know, and God was wanting us to know, that's why we have the Bible to read today. What Paul was saying, inspired by God, is this. Love redefines the way you relate. True love will redefine the way you relate to those you're in relationship with. Boyfriend, girlfriends, uh, fiancé, husband, wife. It will redefine, and it should redefine the way you relate to one another. So today we're going to be talking about kind of conflict, and in particular, we're going to be talking about fighting today, and really how you can fight better. How's that, okay? <laughs> we're, going to talk, we're going to talk about how you can fight good in marriage. And look, you got a guy from Brooklyn who's Italian, who's Sicilian, who loves Jesus, how blessed are you? How fortunate you are. I'm going to teach you how to fight, right? Just good, you know? You got a treat. You came out on a snowy day. Look, Craig Rochelle, who wrote a book called From This Day Forward, it's where we're getting this series from. In the book, I'm going to read you an excerpt. He says, the reality is all couples fight. Why? Well, the short answer is, is because we're sinners, meaning, and we have these sinful ways. That means sinning means we do things that are inconsistent with what God has called us and commanded us to do. We kind of take things in our own hands. We create a way that we think works for us, kind of self-centered. We go out there. Now, we have that nature in us. We're kind of always inclined to do that. Sometimes we carry it out more than others. Sometimes, man, it's just who we are. It governs us. We're kind of just a slave to that sin. It's who we are. It's what we do day in and day out. So because 
we are this way. It's unavoidable and inherent in every relationship where you have intimacy, where people are closer and closer together, that you're going to have conflict and you're going to have fighting. Couples fight, right? Say what you say. Couples fight. Yeah, four people. You're probably not even married. <laughs> we, we don't want anybody. You don't want anybody to know you fight. Okay, I got you, okay? Got no problem in our home saying that we fight. You walk into my home on any given day, you hear it, right? But you see, listen to this. Healthy couples fight fair. I'll say that again. Healthy couples fight fair. Everybody, all couples fight, but healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples, they fight dirty. Below-the-belt remarks, sucker punches, angry accusations, bitter grudges, things said and done to take advantage of where they know their spouse, husband, wife, fiancé is, is vulnerable, susceptible to being agitated, to being hurt. Pop right there, sticking, poking. That's unhealthy, right? You see, they know their partner's vulnerabilities. They know how they can manipulate or leverage that, you know, to, to win that argument, to, to get the best of the person right there in that situation. A couple of years ago, uh, Christy and I and my wife, we went to go see our marriage counselor. We go see our marriage counselor several times a year. There are some seasons where we might go see our marriage counselor several times in a short period, maybe two or three months. Um, well, and I'll just say we do that because we want to hear Someone who's godly and who's wise and who's been trained on the outside looking into our marriage and our family to see how we're doing. Because I think I have blind spots. We do this because we have such a great vision for our marriage to be the best it can be. We want to continually work on it. That's why we go to marriage counseling. We've gone to counseling because we're in a tough place. We've gone to counseling because we're ready now to go to a next level and we're excited. Uh, you know, we went to marriage counseling a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday. We had a day. We were, we were struggling, but we were good. We're like, you know what? Let's not let this go. We have an opportunity now to kind of painfully but wonderfully grow. Got there at 7 o'clock at night. The council made time for us. We were there from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, and we grew. Why? Because nothing, marriage is so important, right? There's no, to us, it's God, our marriage, me and my wife, and our children, right? And then the wonderful church God has blessed us with. So, now that I made myself look good, let me get into the uh, story. <laughs> so two years ago, Christy and I, we're in a, a session. Session finishes, we leave. I don't like the way it went. I lost in that session. Just to put it, I did. I got my butt kicked, right? So um, we get in the car, and I, I, start, I start now looking to gain back some ground. I start having my words. Christy's having none of it. She doesn't want to hear it. She doesn't agree with me. She's holding on to the ground that she gained, okay? So the battle has begun. And so, you know, and I, I'm really bothered. And so what am I going to do now? You know, I got the counselors on her side. She's holding firm. She thinks she's right. I'm losing fast. I'm pulling out all stops now, okay? I'm not going to lose this. So we're on 495 by Tewksbury. Some of you know this. We're on 495 on Tewksbury. I pull off the highway drive into a gas station, and I get out. You see, I know my wife. She's a kind woman. She really is. One of the most sweetest, nicest persons you will ever meet in your life, honestly. Okay? Uh, 
and, and she loves and she cares and she's sweet and she doesn't like conflict and she's nurturing. She doesn't like when there's conflict and I walk away in the home. She doesn't like it. And so now we're in public and I know if I walk away, I got her. I got her. She's going to give in. So I slam the car door. I walk across the highway. There's a Hannaford's. I got the plan. Comes to me quick. I'll just walk across. It's about several hundred feet into Hannaford's. I'll get something to drink. By the time I come out, she'll be there. All right. And now I've, I've gained some leverage. She'll be more negotiable. So I come out. She's not there. I said, okay. She thinks who she is. She thinks she's somebody now, right? She's got the counselor on her side. All right. I'll show her. So I, I've got my iPhone. I pull it out. It's got a compass. I said, you know what? I know she can track me on my phone. My kids, everybody, everybody tracks me. My kids track me. My wife tracks me. And, and so I, pl- I said, you know what? I'm going to plug in our address because that'll let her know I'm going home. I wonder if she can see that. So I plug in my address in Westminster. Comes up 30-something miles away. I said, well, I'm just going to start walking towards home. She'll see how, and then, you know, I know about a half a mile, a quarter of a mile, she'll come up. Well, it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, about 9 or 10 hours later, 19 miles later, <laughs> it's 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm in downtown Groton. <laughs> I tell you, I would have made it if I would have had better shoes on, and it wasn't so hilly, and my phone wouldn't, it was dying, I would have made it to Westminster. I was so angry. Well, now having... Really, my phone's dead. I, I'm, my legs are jelly. I'm exhausted. I try and reach out for different manners of, of help. I can't get anybody to help me. They all think I'm either on drugs or drunk. Nobody wants to deal with me. When I, and so, uh, so I call my wife and I tell her. I don't ask her because if I ask her, then that means she might have won. I tell her to come and pick me up. She makes me wait. I lay there in the steps of the Union Congregational Church in downtown uh, Groton. About 2 o'clock in the morning, she comes and gets me. We don't say a word to each other on the way home because, again, I've got to win. I want to win. I'm going to win. I know the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Man, the sun set like several hours earlier. It was just dark, okay? Listen, healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for personal victory. Somebody wants to win, and this is not good. It doesn't glorify God, and it brings unnecessary but guaranteed pain and scarring into relationships. In, in his book, Craig Rochelle talks about Dr. John Gottman. This is interesting. And the guy's a marriage researcher, published some books, and he conducted this study and where he gathers data on married couples for 16 years. And after he does this, he comes out with this conclusion. He says, I can observe a couple fighting for five minutes, and I can tell you within a 90% accuracy whether or not they're going to get divorced. That's how significant how a couple fights, how they fight, how significant it is, and the implications it has on their relationship. So there's, there's this compelling argument that the success of a relationship depends not on whether or not you fight because you're going to fight. Well, I mean, we're different. Only two people fight at Chair City Church in their marriage. But so you're going to fight. It is, it's, it's this myth like, okay, we're not going to fight. Or you, you're going to fight. But how will you fight? And will you fight fair or unhealthy? You know, healthy couples fight fair. They work with each other. Two people coming together to respect one another, to come towards a solution they can agree on, whether it happens right away or over days and a week or two, like Christy and I. And we're still working in that, but we're really kind of jazzed about it, where we're going. Have you ever had a fight or a disagreement with someone you're in a relationship with? 
Have you ever had a fight or a disagreement with someone you're married to? You have, right? Every single person in here has experienced that. You're not alone. Couples fight. Some of you will fight today. I hope today you fight in a fair way when you go home. I hope today you have an incredible revelation of the value and the power of God's word and your marriage is transformed. When you try to love as God intended you to, as God teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that simply changes everything. Love redefines how you fight. So we're going to grab a few lessons. We're going to move quickly, about 10, 15 minutes. We're going to try and move really quickly here. We're going to grab a few kind of principles, lessons from this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. These lessons, you can apply them into your relationship. Today, you can apply them into your relationship. It's not about winning. They're not going to help you win. They're going to help you come to resolution. They're going to help you grow. They're going to help you serve one another. Now, some of you might be saying, and I actually think, you know what? I don't think I really need this because I'm winning all my fights in my relationship. <laughs> well, FYI, if you're winning, your wife is losing, or if you're winning, your husband's losing, and that means your relationship is losing. Your relationship is losing. You don't want your relationship to lose. You want to protect your relationship. You want to protect that covenant you made before God. You want to protect your marriage. The goal is for your relationship to win. And as we go through this, don't look at your spouse like, oh, that's you, or, or elbow, don't do that, you know. As we said last week, this series is about God having a personal conversation with you individually. All right, let's jump into these principles. You know, I'm going to just put them all up or toss them all up. There's four of them up on the screen. Ready? First, love cares more for others than for self. And again, as you go through these verses in 1 Corinthians, these four principles are all there. One, love cares more for others than for self. Two, love doesn't fly off the handle. Three, love does not keep record of wrongs. Four, love isn't always me first. Let's jump on that first one. The Bible teaches us about love cares more for others than for self. I don't know if you got a typo like I did, but if you did, it's my fault. So love cares more for others than for self. So you ever see a sponge? When I, when I do marriage counseling, I'll, I'll, I use a sponge as an example, right? You know, um, I use sponge in my house to wash the dishes. I use sponge to wash my father-in-law's car. If you know me well, you know I've just misled you. But sp pretty much, <laughs> when you put a little bit of pressure on a sponge, what's in it comes out, right? And it, it kind of just spills out all over the truth is, if you're in a relationship, dating, engaged, married, at times, the other person is going to annoy you. Again, this goes back to the principle of fighting. You're going to fight, and the other person's going to annoy you. Right? It's just, if you haven't admitted this, it's true. You annoy the person you're in a relationship with, and, and they annoy you. You don't have to resolve that right now, please. <laughs> After you learn how to fight fair, you can talk about this, Okay. But look, it has to be. You're different people, different personalities. You come from different backgrounds. You have different habits, preferences, opinions. You're so unique one to the other. Even if they don't have an opinion, that's annoying. Right? Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Of course, I never have that problem of not having an opinion. 
But the bottom line is it, it just adds up. And like a sponge, you absorb it, you absorb it, and then you know what happens. What do you do? You dump it. It just comes spilling out. You know, when Christy and I said, I love you, there at the altar, and said these sacred vows before God and to God and to one another, it didn't stop us from annoying one another, right? I can, I mean, I, listen, I got four kids. I got 22 years under the boat. I can just say that. We annoy each other at times. huh? And here's the truth about a sponge. A sponge doesn't just dump. What else does a sponge do? It absorbs, right? It's designed to absorb. And here's something you want to know about love. True love is God intended. Love absorbs annoyance. If it's true love, if it's the love that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, it's a type of love that absorbs annoyance in a healthy way, and it processes it in a healthy way. You're going to get annoyed, but, you know, did I say Lloyd? <laughs> Speaking of annoying, huh? It's subconscious thing. So for our guest, Lloyd is my father-in-law, who really annoys the heck out of me, by the way. There, it's out. Okay. I was worried about offending my wife. My father-in-law lives next door to me. All right, here we go. Let's get back to where were we? Look, you're going to get annoyed, <laughs> but when you love as God intended us, something, un something unique happens. You see that person in, in a unique way, and, and love doesn't care about itself, but favors and considers others, and when you apply, apply that, it changes it really minimizes the annoyance. It changes the way you fight from these things. It absorbs that annoying stuff. And you know what? It actually, I would say it certainly minimizes the level of annoyance. It can really almost become somewhat fun and humorous. And sometimes it just dissipates. It's just meaningless. You don't even care anymore. It's just all cool. Because love absorbs annoyance. All right, let's jump to the next one. We got to move quickly. Ready? Love doesn't fly off the handle. So here's the thing. Sometimes it can go from annoyance to anger. That's, that's a bad transition. And not just in small things like forks and towels. There are just other stuff that happens. And it kind of, you have the annoyance and then the serious stuff. And bam, you got this ugly storm going on. And you're not just now dumping, but you're flying off the handle. And depending on your personality, that can just get pretty ugly. We know our relationships. They can heat up. They, the temperature stops to rise. Huh? We wind up saying hurtful things, sometimes doing hurtful things that wound the relationship. And instead of protecting and nurturing the relationship, now we're wounding the relationship. And, oh, and this is increased if, if, if you have an anger problem. I, I always like to say I, I, I just I think... I, I don't want to say I had an anger problem. I'd say I have an anger problem. I'll say that I've grown significantly in my problem with anger, huh? <laughs> I don't think I'm related to that, but I mean, <laughs> listen, maybe it just was the environment. You know, I could say it was the environment I grew up in. I could say it's, you know, oh, you know, having a, a bunch of kids, and, and it's not what it is. I could, say, I could, I could lay out, it's just, it's just who I am. I could even just say, well, it's just me. But the thing is, just I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace who needs God and to needs to know what love is. The love God has for me and to, that I need to know how to love others, yes? Life moves so fast. 
you, you just got to pause sometimes and examine yourself and see and listen to what's going on in your head and be honest to God about who you are and how you need him and then be kind of boldly and confident with great expectation about what he's going to do with your honesty and your sincerity and your self-examination and your humility before him, your father in heaven, your creator. And he's going to pour love into you and he's going to enable you to love. You know, when you walk 19 miles in a night, so one good, it's a good way to pause and stop and reflect on things. And, and, and most of it wasn't a nice, good, godly reflection. I was angry. I grew more angry. Every mile I was angrier and angrier and angrier. And then dark came, and I told you, I was this Route 20. It's not flat. It's all hilly, and it's narrow, and cars are coming, and they almost sideswiped me, and I'm having a walk in yucky, muddy grass, and you got the animals. I've talked about this, and they're making noises, and I'm trying to make noises to intimidate them so they won't attack me. It's just humiliating angrier and angrier I'm getting, really. And then at some moment, it just hits me. And I, when I say some moment, that God in his mercy, and it was the mercy of God, invades my mind and shows me what's there and brings this conviction. He, he sheds light and I can see, man, look at what you're thinking. Look at what's in your mind. How terrible, how shameful. Is this what you are capable of? What are you doing here? And it probably was the combination of being exhausted, physically and coming to the end of myself, drained of my anger, humbled before God, and in God's mercy, he pouring out revelation into my mind. And you're thinking, you know what I'm thinking? Should my wife have to live with this? Should I have to live with this? But should my precious wife have to live with this? I don't want to live with this anymore, and I don't want her to live with this anymore. Now, that didn't stop me from telling her, you come and pick me up. <laughs> that didn't stop me from not talking to her all the way home. Why? Because I just wanted to be angry so much, and I didn't want to lose. But there was this newfound fervor in me that had been growing and growing and growing, and now had grown to another level. I'm not going to live angry in this way. I don't want it as part of my relationship. I know I can do better. I know she deserves better. I'm going to expect more from myself. My win will be measured on the amount, the least amount of anger that exists in our relationship. So, consider that. Consider this. Now, I didn't consider this this might be a summary of what was going on in my mind as I walked and walked and was vacillating in between trying to intimidate animals, anger, and humility before God. It was kind of like a triangle, okay? Think about this. What I ask of myself in my relationship. We're going to go a little long today. Uh, we did it last week, too. I'm going to push, all right? What I ask of myself. When it comes to personality, be yourself. Christy and I are different. Just be yourself. When it comes to character, be like God. I did a lot of self-examination that night, you know? The problem was, and I realized prior to that, I was measuring me against me. I was trying to, and I'm still working at that. I'm just revisiting. I was trying to be righteous for my own self, for my own ways, rather than rely on the grace of God. Don't measure you against you or me against me. Measure who you are before God and, to, and measure up against the word of God, Right? Psalm 145, verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. When it comes to character, be like God. Draw closer to God. Next, when it comes to maturity, be better. Listen, desire, 
grow, mature. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. You see, when you grow in your love and knowledge of God, you focus on, you understand, you're zeroed in to what really matters in life. So that you may live pure and blameless until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. You know, Jesus, this is what is going to come for you. This is what should be coming from your life. The righteous character produced by your life, in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. All right, so that's me. Now, what does it look like if I turn that over to Christy now? What I ask of my spouse when it comes to personality Accept me, right? You know, when I, what do you ask of your spouse? Humbly, prayerfully. When it comes to personality, accept me. My uniqueness, how God made me, and I am so unique. Right, honey, wherever you are? When it comes to character, encourage me. Encourage me to be more like God, you know? When it comes to maturity, strengthen me. Pray for me, walk with me, come alongside of me, be committed to me. Listen, one Things heat up. Love has a distinct response. It doesn't fly off the handle, but true love accepts, encourages, and strengthens one another. At last, love does not keep record of wrongs. Actually, not, love does not keep record of wrongs. You know, we have this way of keeping this list, this trash list, this garbage list of what our, our spouse, our fiance, our, our boyfriend, girlfriend has done. We do. We, we, some of you actually write it down, you sickos, but some of you... <laughs> Where you keep it in your phone. But we, we often would keep this mental inventory, you know? It's a second sicko. Not as much as the first one, right? But we keep this mental inventory. Really, we carry it. It's a burden. And what do we do? When the time comes, we trash the other person. We just, we just trash them. What does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians? Love is patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not hold grudges. God is telling, it to, telling you, telling me to trash our list, to trash our list of keeping wrongs with our spouse, with our partner, to get rid of it, rather than to trash our spouse or our loved one. You want, to, you want to fight fair? Know this. Love trashes the list. So the next time an argument pops up, rather than dump trash on your partner and bring up things from the past, instead, invite God, Holy Spirit in there. And then the two of you can actually focus in a healthy way on the issue at hand, right? And make some progress and grow. God says, I forgive you so that the two of you can forgive each other. The next truth is, if we go, go towards the end now, love isn't always me first. Love is not always me first. The challenge with this is that we come into relationships with thinking me first. What can I get out of this relationship for me? It, it really is so much the driving force in even Christian relationships as we come together. Love hears before it hurts. And if you hear first and listen first, you're much less likely to hurt. If you understand and listen to who's talking to you and you couldn't consider them before yourself, it's true love, you're much less likely to hurt them. You know? Now I want to, we're talking about listening. I mean really intently and unselfishly listening to the other person. 
We're going to show you one of our favorite videos. We've shown it before. It's a classic. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just. Sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't. Not about the nail, I love it. You know, when you're in the middle of an argument, it is about the nail, right? There's going to be times, where it could be the husband, it could be the wife, you know, male, female, when, when there's, this, there's someone's hurting, someone's struggling, and they, they need to be heard. And I mean this, it could be male, it could be female, they, just, they need to be heard. And sometimes people aren't listening because they're talking. If you're more of an extrovert, and sometimes people aren't listening because they're shutting down if you're an extrovert. Either way, you're not listening, right? And what your spouse needs, your partner needs, your, what they need here is for you to listen with all your heart, with your ears. They, they want to be heard. What they need is what we call empathy. It's a wonderful gift you can give to the one you love, you know? But instead, we, what we do is we kind of bring out the hammer and we start prying and grabbing and clawing and sometimes we start hammering away, right? Like, okay, especially at the obvious point. Like, it's now, it's actually frustrating and irritating. Like, you know, we know it's wrong. Matter of fact, it's, it's been causing us problems too. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna fix this now. You put it out there and I'm gonna jump on it. I'm gonna pound away at it. But that's not what love does as God intended it to be. You see, the first thing love does is it chooses to listen and to hear. It thinks of the others before themselves. It's a skill. It's a great skill you want to acquire. But more than that, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's God, the Holy Spirit, working in you to love as God intended you. Love connects. Love understands. Yeah, at some point, you got to talk about the nail, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what a healthy marriage does. But if you have empathy first, I promise you that you will have a much better conversation about the nail and often you'll see you'll know Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that says God will do more than you've asked him to do more than you can imagine and more than you can measure you just wanted to get rid of the nail but instead you wound up with a spouse or a husband or a wife who treasures you now whose whose intimacy and attraction to you has been heightened uh, you know who, who now you know in a greater way you feel better about yourself and the way you navigated this and you can look back and say man i know i, I used to do this but i've done that all these wonderful things god has you when you fight fair and love as god is telling us in first corinthians 13. so 
Love is God created. Love that's from God. Let's move to the quick. All right. So why don't you stand with me? I'm going to close this out. Um, I think what happened is that we have watered down what love is. It's kind of, in a sense, become more like cotton candy, you know, than, than the cross that Jesus died on, right? Because that's the ultimate display of love that this world has ever known. Jesus died on the cross. It's just a matter of whether you believe that he was the son of God. It just matters whether you believe that it was divine. That he, but this, he died, and, and I believe with all my heart that he was God's son. He gave his life on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. That when I sinned and I did all this, when I was walking there in that, that day in that darkness with all that ugly stuff in my mind, that the Bible says that while I was sinning and in that warped way that Jesus died on the cross for me, and this is how God demonstrated his love for Dave Trelongo, how amazing is that? How incredible that is. And that sets me straight. That opens my mind. That comforts my heart. You see, that's love. Cotton candy, sugary, bad calories, absolutely nutritionally, nutritiously empty, right? It's like love without God. Loving without God. There's so much you're missing. We have a God who speaks into our lives, who says, I love you, who, who says, I won't count your sins against you, that while well, I'm thinking that way, after all that God does for me, he could have smote me, he could have fed me to the wild animals. <laughs> But instead, he delivers me. He speaks into my heart and mind. Huh? As I yield to him and I humble myself and I surrender to him, he lifts me up and my marriage increases and it grows and it's better than ever. And how awesome is God huh? that he would do that? Why? Because I'm a preacher? Absolutely not. Because I'm a child of God, just as you are. Some of you in here today, you've been trying to live your life without God. You know, a God who says, I love you. A God who says, I gave my son for you. A God who says that I desire to restore you. But you've been trying to love your way. You you've, have figured out a way to do love apart from God being at the center of it. This morning, perhaps you want to change that. You want to change the way you know and see God. You want God to be at the center of your life and at the center of your relationship, and you want to love from your faith in God and your trust in God, and as God teaches us in the Bible, you want to make that choice of knowing Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life on the cross for you as your Lord and Savior. You're going to have confidence in Jesus. You're going to, as we say here, you're going to follow Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? If this is you today, within yourself, thank Jesus, thank God, thank Jesus for, that he gave his life for you, thank God for the forgiveness of your sins, confess today your need for God and your thanksgiving to God that he's drawing you today closer to him, he's awakened you today in this moment of his presence and your, your need for him, and will you jump with delight and with joy that today you know him. You know him as your God personally and wonderfully. And you know that even right now, you're beginning to change from the inside out. And love is abundant in you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Listen, if you, about heads up. Let's finish this out. If that's you, when I was talking to you, you said that prayer. On the back of the card, it says, my next steps. 
It says, I have decided to start a new relationship with Jesus. I've decided to renew my relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, if you are going to start a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you today is the beginning of the rest of your life as it was for me when I hit 28 years old and I made that decision. If today's the day where you're going to renew your relationship with Jesus, no more figuring it out on your own, no more loving your way, no more tolerating and carrying this way of being, not today. Today I am renewed. I'm committing myself to Jesus and his way in my life. I'm surrendering. You check that box off. You bring the card today to the guest services table. They have a package for you. You know, they're going to give it to you. It's got a Bible. It's got other, some other good stuff in it. We are so grateful for what God is doing in your life. Okay? Man, look forward to seeing you on Monday at the ice skating. Sign up for baptism. To God be the glory. Have a great day.